What is up, guys? And welcome to the newest episode of What an E-Vision. Welcome to episode four of the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as well are my three great co-hosts. And, you know, we, we just got to get started. I mean, all of us are wearing the Avi Roja, and certainly that's not just a coincidence or anything, but we are really pumped up for the news that came up today as we record on Saturday morning of a new shirt. And Fede, right with you, firstly, in Paraguay, it looks beautiful. Both the new shirts look beautiful. How are you, man? Good, Roberto. Nice to see you. Nice to see Ralph, Maria. Hi to everyone. Well, we had a very hot week here in Paraguay, feeling like summer already. Summer vibes, happy vibes. If, we go, if we're going to talk about the national team also, because it's right there, right? The matches are coming up versus Peru, and everything is starting here in Paraguay. So should, we should start feeling also the atmosphere with the new shirt coming out with the new jersey. Uh, I think people are liking it. There's two. Uh, kids that we've seen today there's a white one all mostly white with the flag right here on the top and and we've seen the traditional one the albiroja that's look that looks really nice with with the new brand also so it's the first time we're seeing this jersey i think we're pumping we're getting pumped up like you said it uh, there's a lot of things going on also here in paraguay uh, aside what's going on with the national team that's already working in the albiroja house uh, we should also talk about Cerro Porteño. They nudged their championship. We're going to talk about what's going on in Olympia. Also, Band for Life, Marco Trovato, this week. We've had a, a really busy week when we have a lot of news to talk about. Absolutely. It's so much going on over the last week. Um, you know, Ralph and Maria going to you all the way in Miami. How do you guys like the new shirt? I mean, certainly, it, as you said, it, as Fede said, it looks like one of those old traditional ones from the 90s and the 2000s. I personally like it. I, I know a lot of people like the white one more than the traditional one, especially in like the foreigners. I, I think I saw on Twitter and like speaking to my friends saying how much they really value the white one over the red one. Um, what do you guys think? Well, um, first of all, hi guys, what's up? I got my mate going on today. Uh, it's kind of raining, so it's a good mood to have some mate for today. <laughs> but uh, I really, really do love the new jerseys uh, for this year. They are, I, I do like the, the traditional ones better. I'm a very traditional kind of person, so I will always go for this one. The white one is nice. I would. I will buy it if it's a little cheaper, <laughs> but um, the the traditional one is really good. I think I told you, Roberto, because you had sent a a picture of the of the what what it was uh, going to look like, and it was missing that blue that it always has. And I said, I think I I I do like it, but I I always like the the fact that it has the blue on somewhere around the shirt. But this the new version, it does have it in the collar, and I absolutely love it. I would definitely buy it. <laughs> For sure. And, and Ralph, going to you, looking at the shirt that you have, it, that was the first thing that it reminded me of, how, how traditionally it looked like that 98 kit that was used um, in France. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this one, if we compare to you guys, it's got less, uh, less stripes, right? The stripes are wider. So it's kind of that, that feel. Um, I also got the same feedback as you, Roberto, that, that kind of my friends back home in England, they prefer the white kit. Um, I think they like they like the, the kind of flag as a sash down the side. It looks pretty cool. So yeah, it's looking looking nice. I'll um I'll hopefully pick one up when when I can actually get to Paraguay or when they start selling over here in the US. Uh, be looking forward to it. Also, 
I'm drinking today. I've gone for the for the cold version of mate, even though it is a bit rainy here in Miami. We're all getting hydrated, aren't we? And then Fede, you're the one that I think you're supposed to be drinking something, given how how hot it's been, as you said. Well, you can see I'm just drinking water, man. I I I have Fede all day here, but but we're having some trouble with the Fede now because you can't share it, so you gotta have your own now with the whole COVID to 2020. You know, it's it's a beverage that we usually share here in Paraguay, you don't usually have to take your own wherever you go, people would, would, would share it. But unfortunately, that's not the, the case right now here in this 2020. But I'm loving the jersey. Uh, I think, I think uh, the, the white jersey, I was thinking about that. There's not many uh, national teams that actually have an all-white jersey right around the world. I don't know if you guys think of, think of another one, but I don't think a lot of people are going to have that away kit because that's going to be the away uh, jersey. And we'll see if eventually they use a third jersey because some countries eventually also have a third jersey. For now, we've, we've only seen these, these two that have come out. In England have got the white jersey. England. Yeah. Exactly. Red or white, right? That's uh-huh. all red or all, red, all white. It seems to me that I'm sure you guys have seen the kind of kits that we've seen for the clubs. They're not exactly been in high regard, but certainly from national teams, they definitely look great. So it's something's been doing something they're doing well that maybe the clubs aren't uh, following. But uh, yeah, no, I, I really like the jerseys and I can't wait to to get it as well as Ralph said um, once it comes uh, available. But they you get know, to debut wise- it. Marketing-wise, Roberto, we should say that this is, this is a new brand, but this it's not new related to the national squad, right? This is a brand that worked for many, many years with the national team, and they're coming back. They're coming in strong because I've seen that they're, they've done a lot of work with the marketing in these last couple of weeks. They've done a couple of commercials also trying to put it up there, trying to put the national team, and it's, it's, this, it's that time, right? It's that moment right before everything starts that you have to go and look for – for, for the support of the fans. And I, I think they're, they're working on that mainly to, to put the people up there because they can't be on the stand. So they're going to have to be watching it on TV. Uh, but at least hopefully they'll, they'll, be, they'll be really pumped and really ready to see this new team. It's really new with, with, with Eduardo Berizzo. Everything is still pretty new to us. Absolutely. A new look brand for a new look team. And we'll get to that new look team in a bit uh, heading into the World Cup qualifiers. But certainly one of the biggest news that had occurred in Paraguay, aside from games that are occurring, fires, unfortunately, uh, and, and smoking, a lot of bunch of smoke passing across Paraguay, which has unfortunately been a, a bad scene to see. But certainly one of the biggest ones comes from on Monday, where President Marco Trovato of Olympia was banned for football for a supposed match-fixing scandal that had already come in towards a bit of a scandal over the last few weeks. An investigation was given uh, that was reported by numerous sources in in Paraguay. And it's not a good look. It's not a good look for Olympia. It's not a good look for for Paraguayan football as a whole, even South American football as a whole. Ralph, I know that you were able to see some of the defenses from Croato's lawyer, uh, some of the documents that were... Uh, made as well. I mean, what are your impressions of, of this whole scandal? Sure. Um, let's start with where well, it was Monday morning or Monday morning our time, this side of the world, that the communication came from FIFA, from Switzerland, that, that Trovato had been banned for life. And this was suddenly a big surprise, I think, for everybody. It wasn't a surprise, the investigation, because like you said, Roberto, about, I think, three or four weeks ago in Paraguay, some 
some local news sources um, kind of alluded to this and, and they sent what supposedly has been um, the match manipulation that, that Trovato was, has been accused of. Uh, match manipulation for FIFA can be two things, by the way. It can be financial gain. So I'm going to try and manipulate a match to, to win money on, on betting markets. Betting is, is totally legal in Paraguay. So there's, there's lots of open markets. Um, or the other is sporting advantage. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to manipulate a match so my team can win or my team can do better. Um, in this case, FIFA hasn't told us which, which match manipulation it is. The assumption is that, of course, it was sporting advantage because Olympia won the last four seasons before uh, Cerro Porteño. But the interesting thing we saw from, from this news on Monday that, that took everyone from surprise was this lifetime ban for Trovato, so very harsh sentence, but also that it only mentioned Marco Trovato. It didn't mention Club Olympia. So as things stand, FIFA have no plans to take any action against the club Olympia. So that gets us to start thinking that, okay, maybe this wasn't for sporting advantage. Maybe it was for personal financial gain, which is why an individual has been targeted, the club president. A couple of interesting things similar to the Premier League and, and uh, La Liga as well, that have a lot of betting sponsors and uh, betting companies are very involved with the football industry. They are too in, in Paraguay. There's a, there's a betting company called Apostala that is uh, the, one of the main sponsors of Olympia. They also sponsor Cerro Porteño. So they're very involved. It's, it's pretty much got a monopoly on, on betting markets there in, in Paraguay. So for sports betting, they're very big. So is there, was there a link from Trovato using his connections there to make money for himself? That is one of the possibilities. Um, or was it used to actually help win the championships? And in that case, someone like Cerro Porteño would be very interested because they were actually runner up in three of the, <clears throat> excuse me, three of the four titles that Olympia won. So they would feel that if, if it was something for sporting advantage, then they would, they would be interested because technically they could be, could be given the championships. But at the moment from FIFA, all we have is this resolution that it was against Trovato, that he has a lifetime ban. There's no plans for any kind of investigation from the Paraguayan FA into Olympia as a club. Uh, the Paraguayan FA have, have said in a press conference that they held on Monday <clears throat> that they have not seen anything from FIFA. All they've seen is what everybody saw is this, this kind of resolution, but they don't know the evidence used that, that FIFA have that could have been uh, the that could have been you know the, the matches that occurred. What I've seen is the supposed defense of Trovato. The supposed. Why do I say supposed? Because FIFA said that he didn't cooperate. So technically, he hasn't presented any kind of defense. And also, this is something that's been circulated, um, but I don't have the source of Trovato's legal team, who are mostly based in Spain. Um, they haven't said this is our defense because they also haven't seen anything from FIFA. They've only received the, the resolution. Um, but in that, it suggests that there was about eight games um, that involved, involved Olympia that were, um, that were kind of under suspicion. One was in the Copa Libertadores, the rest were local games. What's interesting is in one of those games, Olympia lost 1-0 against Santani. 
So again, that would suggest how much sporting advantage was there if you lost the game that you were supposedly manipulating. Um, but again, this is only the supposed defense. What they are saying, um, and what, the one piece of information we have that is very clear is that FIFA requested Marco Trovato's cell phone uh, to do like a kind of, I guess, a digital forensics to try and extract data from that, that phone. I think, I think they used a company somewhere in Europe, maybe in, in the UK, to take that information. But what we don't know is what information did they extract? There's the presumed information that there were some WhatsApp messages that, uh, that Travato was sending to an intermediary and that intermediary was then trying to fix the games. But again, this is supposition. We're not sure because <laughs> nobody's confirmed that this is the evidence FIFA saw. And we don't know what, what the FIFA investigation, the data they actually got from the phone. So for now, the only thing we're really sure of is Marco Travato, he's been banned for life. He, he stepped down as president this week, he had to. Um, and the, what we're sure is that he denies this very strongly and maybe Fede can tell us a bit about what's happening in Paraguay, but, but he's what we assume is planning a defense and an appeal against this. Yeah, totally, Ralph. I, I was reading, I was following what you were saying and I'm totally agreeing with, with the way you're telling the story, you, you know, it came, came out of Paraguay, it went to FIFA, uh, how it came out of Paraguay is still a big mystery, who said that this was going on, who called uh, FIFA's attention in the first place for them to investigate this, uh, Marcos Trovato is questioning the whole situation, how it started, how it was run by the FIFA, and, and this big surprise for him this week, we were waiting for the news, uh, we, we Never, we didn't know when it was going to actually come out here in Paraguay, but we knew eventually it could happen on this 2020. And obviously they weren't waiting for a, a lifetime ban. I think they were waiting for, for something shorter, for, for, for not so, such a strong ban for, for, for Marcos Trovato. And thankfully for the club, it's not, it's not that bad. On the sentence, there's nothing about the club. It only goes all the blame uh, all the guilt, uh, the guilty goes to, to, to Marcos Trovato. When we talk about Trovato, we, we talk about a young businessman he, here in Paraguay that, that came into Olympia, maybe even taking advantage of its financial moment back then, uh, a situation with, with several million dollars in debts, new cases coming in, uh, players claiming money to the club. And, and, and that was a big problem in the first years. It probably took him those first years just to establish the team where he wanted it. And, and where it needed to be a big club like, like Olympia to, to get that financial piece. Uh, that was a big achievement for him in, in first place uh, as the president. And then he, he got the trust to, to get the wins, to get the trophies. Uh, these last couple of years, he's won everything. He's been successful. His popularity has grown. Has, it, it was probably at its peak lately uh, because of these, uh, of these championships won by Olympia four straight. He came in strong, but he also came in strong with a big mouth, right? Fighting uh, probably everybody that 
that came uh, against or across him, uh, and I'm talking about the other presidents of other clubs, it, it, which definitely you have to, to live with on the everyday to, to, to kind of make the sport better here in Paraguay. It, it was a heated moment in Paraguay to be a sports leader, and I think uh, that also got to him, to Marcos Trovato in a moment. That's a side of, of this case, right? This is an investigation that is still going on. Uh, Trovanto wants the full verdict uh, detailed uh, so he can go with his lawyers and, and still defend himself. He can challenge the sanction to the FIFA's appeal uh, committee and, and later he can even take that to, to the court of arbitration for sports. So he's going to try to clean his name eventually, but this could, could, be, could be a long road and, and this might take a while also. Just, um, I wanted to ask, I don't know if Ralph or, or Fede can answer this. What is, what it, what it would, what would it mean for the club, for uh, Olympia now? Because it, it's not affecting Olympia in some way, but it is in another way. Yeah, I think, I think legally it's not affecting them at all for now. And there's no, there's no like possible sanctions, but of course there's an image problem, right? There's a, there's almost a, a PR problem. I think it, it must cast some doubt over those four titles. And this week, the players and the coaches also released a statement saying that, you know, they have nothing to do with this. They, they put in their full effort. You know, all these titles that they feel were won fairly and on the pitch. Um, but I think maybe there's a, there is an image problem um, because, of course, the club president is, is associated, you know, he's representing the club. So even the, for now... If we, if we don't know if it was for personal financial gain or for sporting advantage, there's a bit of that, that doubt. Um, <clears throat> I, th I think what's, what's more worrying is for, for Paraguayan football in, in general is to think that if this was happening at the very top of the game, imagine what could have been happening in Intermedia or maybe in other, you know, in, in other divisions and that kind of thing. And then suddenly you think, okay, is, is maybe some of the referees involved? And it could open a whole Pandora's box, which might be, which is one of the situations I think Trovato is in, because if he appeals, by appealing, FIFA will then publish all the evidence they have. Now, if he does that, and suddenly there's evidence that can splash onto Olympia or onto the Paraguayan FA or referees, then it opens this, this Pandora's box, like I was saying, of, oh my gosh, there's, there's all these things going on. So, that, so there could be that risk, but if Travato is 100% sure that, that, no, that he didn't do this and no one else is involved, then I'm sure he'll go ahead and, and ask for that evidence. Let me get in that, Ralph, because we've had cases here of refs even been taken out of the staff due to this situation. We've had players uh, saying in public that they've had phone calls of people trying to make their team play a different game that they should play. Uh, you know, we've had these cases in the last couple of years. So this is bigger than Olympia. This is bigger than Marco Trovato. I'm just, that, that's why I was telling the story like that, that someone called uh, the attention of FIFA. We've had so many things that can be investigated here in Paraguay in football, everything from the top league to the bottom league. I, I, I totally agree with that way of, of seeing things of Rob, uh, uh, but, but 
but they have it with with Marcos Trovato because this is how they work here in Paraguay. You know that they have a, a brotherhood way of doing things in the clubs. And Marcos Trovato said that that they they all the clubs worked against him to take him out of soccer because he was he was very strong lately with with Olympia winning everything and going against these people that are the ones that they usually run the, the, the football lately. And and historically he does have. Uh, a point there and a precedence that this is not the first time Olympia and an Olympia president has been uh, under investigation or in trouble with FIFA. So it happened to Olympia in, in 2000. They were, they were banned by FIFA. And then the then president and very famous president of Olympia, Osvaldo Dominguez Diep, is actually the, the father of Alejandro Dominguez, who's the Conmebol president at the moment. He was banned in 2005, I think, by FIFA. So this has happened before that Olympia have been targeted by, uh, by other clubs. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's a valid point. It's not to say that this is, I wouldn't imagine this is a one club problem. This would be more of a structural issue. Um, at the moment, of course, it's, it's Olympia that won the last four titles. So they're going to be more, you know, people are going to be more interested in looking at the team that has, has possibly benefited most because it's the team that's winning titles. But I think it's a good point from Fede that this is, this is much more likely a structural problem within the league and within Paraguay. And it's not just there's this one club that's a bad apple. They, they took him out of the picture, Roberto. Marco Trovato is out of the picture. He's banned until he defends himself, until he convinces FIFA of, of, of otherwise. He's out of the picture. He's out of the football image. Yeah, and, and certainly this comes at a really difficult situation for Olympia, having already lost the league title. And we'll obviously mention that. You know, we have to send our congratulations to Cerro Porteño, winning officially the 2020 Apertura title, um, defeating River Plates on the day. And and certainly it's it was it was well deserved. I think we had mentioned this in, in a couple episodes before. They were a team that was just unstoppable, um, and and definitely have gotten the respect of many people who are watching Paraguay football and certainly a kind of earned reputation back to Cerro Porteño after what was a difficult year for them. They are now at the top of Paraguay football. So congratulations to them and heading into Olympia, as I said, certainly this comes at a bad moment for them because having lost the league title, we get into what's going on in the Copa Libertadores. They just lost to Santos the other day, three, uh, two in a, in a highly contested match, I would say, but certainly puts their doubt, uh, their, uh, their doubts into qualifying to the round of 16 um, of the Copa Libertadores. However, you know, Delphine defeated Defensa Justicia in the same group on the same day. That gave them a bit of a lifeline. So as it stands now, Olympia will have to play Delphine in the final match on October 20th, where a win would ensure them into the round of 16, assuming that Santos also defeats Defensa Justicia as well. But um, Maria, going to you first, this is that kind of motivation that they need after having just lost their club president, lost their club, their league title as well, they definitely need all the motivation necessary. And thankfully they will have a, a couple days to, sorry, a couple of weeks to, to um, get ready for that matchup. But this comes at a, at a right moment for them to feel motivated and saying, Hey guys, you know, we got to do this for, for our president. We got to do this for our club to continue our tradition in, in, in being in this uh, competition. One yeah, last definitely. Time. One yeah. last time. Yeah, they have one last uh, chance to do it. it uh, and like you said, it comes 
at such a hard moment in 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 their in their season all these things going on and uh losing the apertura and 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 possibly hopefully not uh losing the libertadores and with the president going uh, uh issue going on it, it it all comes down to motivation like you said it and they they really need it now they have a break uh, the national team is coming together. So I, I, I just think that they need to get their, their stuff together. The, 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 uh, the team uh, needs a, a little break to, from, from all the issue going on the spotlight on them uh, this, this week. So yeah, I just, they just need to, to get it together and, and they, they, they are playing well, that's not an issue but I, I, it's just the motivation that they need. Definitely. I think it's, it's definitely needed for them. And, and certainly getting into the other teams, they definitely need some more motivation. Um, Libertad also getting a draw against Boca Juniors, which is a good result for them, but certainly they're in a difficult situation as well to qualify. I mean, Ralph, you know, having lost Ramon Diaz and, and, and certainly they want to get that kind of motivation to continue in the competition, it's going to be a long path for them if they want to get that final result on the last day. Yeah, it's, um, they got themselves into the difficult situation by, by not taking anything from the game at home against Boca. Um, and then this was the first, first game of Gustavo Mourinho as the new coach. He went to the Bombonera and I think he said, okay, let's just not lose. And it was a very conservative performance but I think it was in a way the, the right idea to try and to try and take something from that game which they managed to to get the point and they had that great uh, great performance from Martin Silva the goalkeeper that, that kept them in it um, and <clears throat> I think with Libertad now it's it's again this question okay you've, you've kind of if the players wanted to blame the coach Ramon Diaz well that excuse is gone now now it's time for you to to kind of do it yourself and show what you can do in this it's this final game which is kind of a a must win it was also very interesting that Mourinho put two 40 year old players well one was 40 Paulo de Silva and one was 41 Patito Aquino so he was definitely setting himself up for I need players that know have experience and know how to fight and know how to dig in to get that result I think I think what we'll see in the final game is they're going to have to go for the win. So you'll see a slightly different setup for that game. Absolutely. Definitely. And, and also, Fede, going into Guarani, they've qualified to the round of 16. So some sort of uh, shining light for Paraguayan teams after what's been a dark week for them. Um, Guarani have continued to impress. You know, they continue to impress. Uh, Gustavo Costas is doing a remarkable job with this team. And yet again, we, can, we have at least one Paraguayan team in the round of 16 of the Copa Libertadores, a streak that has been intact since 2008, I believe, so, or 2009, something like that. It's looking good for the, for the Aborigen. Yeah, I would say Guarani uh, uh, pride, you know. They, they made us proud this week. They, they made us proud in the Copa Libertadores ever since the first game. We were talking about the team that has – that had the longest journey also. They started from the first stage, so it hasn't been easy for them, but they made good money. If we talk about, you know, just letting all those people, letting all those teams out, keeping all those teams out of the competition and, and making money while doing that also, while, while 
at the same time making this team grow because that's what I've seen. He, you know, he has a lot of tools to to work with. Uh, I'm talking about Gustavo Costas. He has a lot of players to choose, so he's so he's got everything. This team looks prepared. Uh, I think it looks ready for the biggest stages, for the bigger stages of, of this Copa Libertadores. At the time they played against the strongest team in this in this group, which was Palmeiras. In both games they played really well, so I think they're ready for it. You know, I, I want to see them against bigger teams. I, I want to see them in, in playing the biggest teams in the bigger stadiums. Uh, you know, I haven't gotten that that feeling with Olympia. I haven't gotten that feeling with Libertad in their groups when when they had to play against the stronger sides. But I did get that vibe, and I'm getting it out of every game. You know, they, they look so convinced. There's this there's this team that's working as such. They're, they're working uh, as a team, and all 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 eleven players in pitch and the ones that are coming in are very good also Cecilio Dominguez you know he's approaching very well the game he's taking advantage of the minutes that Gustavo Costas is is giving him in this Guarani like we said I think on the first episode Cecilio was coming into a team that was already working that a team that was doing very well lately and so it was going to be probably easy for him to have that role as a second player as a coming in player in the second half and and he's taking advantage of that scoring an awesome goal the other day also versus Tigre so I, I think they have a lot of positive things to look at and, and really look forward to making doing big things in this Copa Libertadores not like Olympia and not like Libertad yet. Absolutely and then certainly as we see with Paraguayan clubs and Paraguayan players that brings us to our next discussion and kind of a uh, to begin what we were talking about with our new shirts, it's the World Cup qualifiers. They have finally come about. They're almost there in exactly five days. We get to see their debut against Peru at the Defensores del Chaco. We see a new side that you had mentioned, a new look brand for a new look team. And certainly we've gotten that. We see that as Eduardo Berizzo also announced his squad on Monday. A lot of familiar names, a lot of new names as well. As we see, we do see... As you had mentioned beforehand, uh, Fede, Gaston Jimenez, the Argentine-born Paraguayan from the Chicago Fire, be included on this squad. Him and Kaku Romero will be leaving the United States to go to South America after much controversy about whether or not they would be able to go due to health issues. But certainly we see a lot of names. I think we see a lot of familiar names, really, that we have been accustomed to um, during Eduardo Berizzo's tenure. But, yeah, I mean, it's I, I don't see any big issues with it certainly uh, maybe a few surprises with a lot of new names that we're seeing but ultimately and you know i'd like to get your thoughts on it it looks convincing it really does it looks very strong i would say for a paraguay squad yeah it has that young blood that we were talking about in in, in, in other episodes it's got that talent that we know that can work i'm talking about raul bobadilla that was one of the last ones called up also you know he's got the european experience he's wearing that jersey also he's in a very good moment also with what i was just talking about that team uh you know some players have come back out of the pandemic out of the out of stopping the playing and they've done really well and others have are still yet to to get in that best shape i believe so so this is the best team for now and we've had some trouble uh, the the Jorge Morel issue was was a was a problem for for the national team this week. He 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 came out positive with COVID, and unfortunately, he's going to miss these two matches. He's out of the team. He's he's he already had to leave uh, the, the practice. He he's going to do the quarantine, and he's out of the picture for for these two games that are coming up. Uh, I, I say unfortunately for him and for the team because I think he really had 
uh, real chances of, of being even as a starting player, but we have really good players. I, I, I was questioning myself here in Verdizo because he said, we're going to give we're going to give the chance. We're going to play with the players that we have already seen. But there's a lot of new players on this list. And I believe maybe not for the first match, but for the second match versus Venezuela, we're going to see a lot of players that we haven't seen with this with this jersey yet. And a lot of people are asking here, who is Gaston Jimenez? What is he going to bring to the team? What what can this player do? We They haven't seen him. They, they don't know about him. They haven't followed his career. So everybody's asking about him. And then there's players that might have their shot, like Alan Barreiro. Alan Barreiro, I believe a couple of months ago, was not even thinking, not even dreaming of being in this spot. But but some players have taken advantage of what's been going on in the world these last couple of months. Like, like we said, but he saw the mini cycles, the little cycles with, with players also. Maybe he saw what they can bring to the team. And these are the best guys. And I hope they get at least one win out of two, uh, out of these two matches that we're going to play. And obviously we'll get into that whole kind of process of the previews for these games uh, when we get into it. Um, but guys, I mean, and Ralph and Maria, of course, you know, looking at it real quick, it's a good thing that you mentioned. Yeah, there are a few names. You know, there are four names on the squad that have not earned a senior cap yet from the Paraguay national team. But ultimately, there's a huge advantage of, of players that are playing abroad, certainly looking at what there is um, – perhaps in the, in the attack, it's a huge advantage for, for these players, especially in the defense. Uh, you know, it's, it's a mix of everything. I, I think you get players that are not looking at it real quick here. I mean, you have maybe some that are above the age of 30, but ultimately you have players that are in the prime of their career or about to enter it. And, you know, that's a good thing for, for us heading into these two big games against Peru, a side that are already working with the players that they've been accustomed to under Gareca and a Venezuela side who are also coming up and may surprise people in this World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting you mentioned the ages because this is a long process. It's going to be shorter now because the, the qualifiers should have started in March, but it's a long process. And what you want is to be able to keep the same group of players from here until hopefully November 2022 when, when they're playing in the World Cup. Because remember, the World Cup's not going to be in the, in the summer or Southern Hemisphere winter. Um, so you want these players that can, that can go on through that process. I think, yeah, uh, Adam Barreiro was one name that surprised me. There's Brian Samudio as well. Um, I wasn't expecting maybe him to be, to be in there, but... He's somebody who I know was, was also doing well in, I think, in, in Turkey. He was playing second division in, in Turkey and, and scoring goals. So you can tell Beriso has his eye all over the world. He's also called back uh, Hernan Perez, who, who's a player that with a lot of experience, but maybe we thought his time might have passed um, now that he's not kind of in, in La Liga anymore. But, but there you go, he's also there. And it was interesting to see, for me, as far as I can see, we only have one right back. We only have uh, Beto Espinola. So this is very interesting because if he's only picked one right back, it's probably he's not really going to, to play with traditional right backs. Maybe he's looking actually to play three central defenders and, and two kind of wing backs um, because there's a lot of defenders, central defenders in there as well. Um, but it's, it's a nice squad. It's interesting. And also... Anthony Silva is in there as a goalkeeper who's who's not currently at a at a team, so that was quite quite interesting to see he's called up. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I think is we've got a nice balance to the team. Uh, 
uh, apart from this right back issue that we'll see, maybe he will fill in with Juan Escobar, who's been playing the, with Cruz Azul. Um, but yeah, I'm looking, I'm excited. Getting that, getting that kind of passion, you know? I'm super excited also, as, as you guys are. And looking at the team, and apart from having good uh, uh, forwards and, and, and the front line, uh, I think we haven't mentioned the, the midfield, which is very interesting because I, I, I think that also plays uh, a very important role and uh, that we also really need to uh, play better in and, 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 and make it a better team. Uh, but s such guys like Gaston Jimenez, who, who will play in, in, in the middle, I, and, and watching him there with uh, Chicago Fire, they, he's been really good. I, I, he's, been very, he's loved by the team as well. So I think having him on board will definitely help out with the midfield, which we need to improve. But um, defensively, we are, we're looking good. I, I, I like it. Valbuena, like we mentioned, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, promising. And, um, and of course, the forwards, uh, just, you know, Lescano is a, a one that I'm looking forward to, to seeing. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited. I can't wait to see. I hope that we win both of them, especially against Venezuela, considering the last time we saw them was not a good one. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, Peru is a strong, is a strong team. But like, like we said, we're gonna get more into this uh, uh, and, and talk about more of the qualifiers uh, in the next couple episodes. Absolutely. It's certainly, I think these are two teams that we could equally face. I think the, the talent wise is equally balanced in comparison to like a Brazil, Argentina or Uruguay, but it will be fun. It will be definitely fun to, to see what happens. And um, again, we'll obviously talk about this in our preview episodes when we do talk about our rivals and analyzing a bit more, but yeah, man, I mean, this, this will be, this will be fun. I mean, certainly we're all starting to feel it with the shirts coming out and and, you know, these players coming into the camps and now heading into the international break as we're about to enter in the next few days, it's starting to heat up. Finally, a World Cup qualifying process is about to begin. And, you know, it feels like so long as we've seen international football occur, but it should be fun. I, I, I honestly can't wait. Um, you know, it's, it's been fun, guys. It's been really fun to do another episode for you guys. I think it's been incredible to talk about what's been going on in the world of Paraguayan football. So, you know, thank you again for tuning in from myself. Roberto Rojas, Pede Perez, Ralph Hanna, and Maria Ritos. Thank you so much. See you soon. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>